the shingles have obvious hail damage, but the adjuster is saying it's blisters or mechanical damage. And better yet, he's telling you that there needs to be a bruise or a fracture in the shingle for it to count. If you're tired of hearing this and want to be able to concretely overcome the claim game, then this is the podcast for you. In this series, we're going to do away with all the myths and reveal the truth behind hail and wind damage claims. My name is Chad Conley, and I'm a state-licensed public adjuster. Over the last 12 years, I've been responsible for more than $160 million in approved storm damage claims. And now, I'm bringing my expertise to you. Let's get it bought. On last week's episode, we covered who has the duty to prove the loss. And we learned in that episode that the insured has the duty to prove the loss. And by extension, if we're the ones climbing on the roof, public adjuster or roofer alike, showing the damages to the adjuster, then that kind of falls on us. Today's episode is a doozy. This is episode two. We're not going to put any fluff in here. We're going to cut straight to the meat and potatoes. And this is one that I'm really, really excited about. Hell damage to shingles. Does it have to be functional? If you've been at this any time at all, then you've experienced an insurance adjuster or ladder assist saying that, hey, we're looking for a bruise or a fracture. That's what we got to have to call it damage. That's not what the insurance policy says. Matter of fact, that's not what the insurance carriers say. There's a complete contradiction between what's being looked for many times on the roof, what the policy covers, and even what the own insurance industry says about that damage. We're going to dive into that today. Then we'll get into some techniques on how to handle this with the adjusters or the ladder assists. That part's going to blow you away. There's going to be some aha moments today. I hope so anyway. Okay, so bruiser fracture is what some will say the criteria is for damage. And we know that's not the case because, you know, functional damage, if you think about any of the other components that are getting paid in the loss, that is the HVAC vent caps, the gutters, downspouts, they're not functionally damaged, okay? The gutters, the water still runs fine through those gutters. Why is that getting paid for when the shingles aren't because, you know, whatever, the damage isn't bad enough or it's not bruised or fractured, whatever? They may even say, oh, this is mechanical damage or I don't know what it is, but it's not hell damage. But they base that on the fact that they felt a it and it wasn't bruised. But if you look at it on its face, for these other components to be paid in the loss, it begs the question, where in the policy do those items get addressed differently than the shingles themselves? Well, they're not addressed differently. Let's say that you're a homeowner and your entire home has been graffitied. There's nothing about that, nothing at all that is functional damage. But I can promise you a standard homeowner's policy is going to pay that loss. They're going to pay to repaint the siding. Nowhere in that process is someone going to come out and say the damage is not functional. There's not whole in the siding. If a hailstone hits a shingle, impacts it in such a way that you can even see it, I got news for you folks, it's covered. What we're talking about is we're talking about policies and we're talking about how policies answer losses. And if you even think about how policies even originated, many years ago, insurance policies were named peril policies and they only covered specific things that were listed. The insurance industry cooked up the all peril policy, which covered things like hail damage. Somewhere along the line, the insurance industry thought, well, if we can increase the risk some, then we can charge more for the insurance. So they started including things like hail damage. But the roofing industry didn't go out there and lobby for this. This wasn't some big push to go out there and try to cook up some way for roofing contractors to make money. The insurance industry did it. What I'm addressing is the fact that the hail damage occurred. It's visible. It doesn't have to be functional. And the premiums that were collected by the insurance carrier speak to exactly that. We know that non-functional hail damage exists 
because the insurance industry actually offers, and this is not true with every carrier, but I can speak for myself personally. I've got USAA insurance and they offer a discount for a cosmetic damage exclusion. In fact, I can tell you exactly what that form is called. I'll provide it in the show notes and I can read you some of it right here. Quote, USAA offers a policy premium discount when the home has an impact resistant roof. Then it goes on to say, if you have an impact resistant roof, you must submit the following forms we've included to get the discount. The roofing installation information and certification form and the cosmetic damage exclusion form. Quote, cosmetic loss or damage means damage that alters the physical appearance of the roof material but does not impair its protective function within one year after the end of the policy period in which the hail damage occurred. Protective function is impaired when a distinct opening in the roof material allows a penetration of water. Why am I reading you this? This is boring. I get it. Here's the thing. You cannot exclude what does not exist. If cosmetic damage to shingles were not a thing, if it didn't exist, USAA would not have an exclusion for it. Other insurance carriers would not have exclusions for it. So this game that's being played, feeling of the shingles for bruises and fractures, it's just exactly that. It's a game. You see, there's a study that was conducted by Sidney Greenfeld in 1969, and this study was commissioned by the Department of Defense. So conveniently enough, it's public record for all of us. I will provide this as well in the show notes. Now, what the Department of Defense was looking for is they were wondering, okay, how are all the hailstorms across the U.S. affecting our physical properties? In that study, Section 3.2, titled Evaluating Failure, he says, damage to roofing by hail falls into two general categories. Number one, severe damage, which leads to penetration of the structure by the elements, and number two, superficial damage, which affects appearance but does not materially interfere with the performance of the roofing. Even the engineering studies will state the purpose for granules on the asphalt shingle. That's to protect the underlying asphalt from exposure of UV radiation from the sunlight. If it's there to protect the asphalt, then it serves a function. The manufacturers haven't meant words on this either. And here I have the Certainteed Technical Bulletin titled Hell Damage, Technical Information Sheet Number 130. I'm quoting here. If hell has fallen with enough force to cause granules to fall off the shingles in the impact area, any exposed asphalt coating will degrade at an accelerated rate and the useful life of the shingle will be appreciably reduced. Granules provide critical protection to the asphalt coating by shielding it from the sun's ultraviolet rays. GAF has weighed in on this as well. And keep in mind, they're the largest roofing manufacturer in the world. Pretty for certain they know the product. But here is Technical Bulletin 126, the exact nomenclature for it will be in the show notes. But I'm quoting here and it says, Loss of mineral granules as an immediate or gradual consequence of storm damage exposes the asphalt coating directly to the environment. This granular loss may result in the accelerated aging and the premature deterioration of the shingles. Here's what I love, and they put this special note here. Note, granule loss is not just cosmetic damage. I think they wrap that up pretty tight. So the big idea today, just know, feeling for a bruise or a fracture, it is not the criteria for the policy. The policy answers the loss at a threshold much lower than where they're inspecting. Great. I understand that, Chad. Quit digging. You hit gold. What do I do about it? Well, that's what we're about to get into next. And you're going to want to stick around for the second half because... This next part is going to absolutely blow your mind. If you're listening to this podcast, then you're probably actively working roofing-related insurance claims. If that's true and you're not supplementing all of your insurance work, then you're missing out big time. The simple fact is the insurance company's estimate is just that, an estimate. 
Get paid for all the work you're doing. Get ClaimRight. ClaimRight is the industry's first ever subscription-based insurance supplement service. Yes, subscription-based. With your monthly subscription, ClaimRight will supplement up to 50 of your insurance re-roof jobs, including the exactimates, supporting documentation, and working out the pricing with your adjusters. Just visit ClaimRight.com to learn more today. That's Claim, R-I-T-E, ClaimRight.com. We covered the concept now. I want to tie it back to what we discussed last week in the first episode. The insured has the duty to prove the loss. We have to do this strategically, and I cannot stress this enough. We have to keep in mind multiple concepts at the same time, and this can be difficult if it's something that you don't practice on a regular basis. Now, that could come off condescending. That's not how I mean it. It's just typically we get into linear conversations. The adjuster says, well, that's not damaged. And then you say, well, yeah, it is. And then you state your position on why it's damaged. That's a very linear conversation. What we want to do is trip them up in their own words and they'll do it. Now, another thing I'll put out there, just a little bit of a disclaimer. I was torn when I decided to do this episode as the second episode in the series as to whether I should do this or do the episode on how to operate without being a public adjuster. It's more of a, hey, this is how you CYA, so to speak. It's not as interesting or as fun or as salacious as the one we're in right now. So I decided to hold on that, and I'm going to kind of pepper it in the episodes as we go. So here's the deal. Whenever you're discussing these matters with an insurance adjuster, don't get into the fray of communicating as if you've given them any advice on their insurance policy. Keep everything instead in generalities. Most of you that are listening to this podcast either own a home or have a direct relationship with someone that does. So ways that you can put this out there is instead of saying, well, there's not a cosmetic damage exclusion on this homeowner's policy. If you're not a public adjuster and you've not read the policy, don't comment on their policy. That's a good way to get yourself in a pickle. But what you could say as a homeowner who has a homeowner's policy, like I don't have a cosmetic damage exclusion. So, you know, be good for us to ask Mrs. Smith, but I'm I'm pretty for sure she wouldn't have one. But that kind of puts it out there to the adjuster that, okay, this contractor I'm meeting with is a little above average. They know something a little bit more than the average. But they haven't stepped off in the acting as a public adjuster role. Same thing when you're speaking to the insured. You can just tell them the same thing. You know, Mrs. Smith, you might want to check your policy. You know, we met with the insurance adjuster out here. I showed him damages. He said that they weren't severe enough, that they weren't bruised or fractured. I don't think that's going to be the threshold just based off of my experience with my own personal homeowner's policy. I'd call your agent and ask them if you do have a cosmetic damage exclusion. It'd be a great question to ask. Now, keeping all that in mind, let's talk about how you can strategically overcome this bruised or fractured game that's being played. And I have a system way that I like to do it. You could modify this certain ways to fit the situation better, but I'm going to play out a situation for you that I've had work out a few times, probably more than a few times. So here we go. You meet the insurance adjuster. You're there to prove the loss for the insured. You've showed them all the collateral damage like we discussed in episode one. So there should be no doubt. They've got the storm report. They've got, they see the collateral damage. Now you're building your case up to now get on the roof and look at the shingles. I recommend intentionally pointing out mechanical damage but doing so at one or two paces away. So if you see a ladder mark on the roof or, I mean, I'm telling you, find the thing that's the most insanely obvious, this is not hell damage thing you can find. And then when you're speaking with the adjuster, point at it and say, well, what about that? Don't call it hell damage. Hear me on that. Don't call it hell damage. Just say, what about that? When you say, what about that? They're going to infer that you mean hell damage and they're probably going to tongue lash you. They're going to think you're an idiot. They're going to say, that's mechanical damage. What's wrong with you? 
and just put that in your shirt pocket because we're going to pull it back out in a moment. But I recommend doing that a couple of times if you can. What do we do next? Start pointing at what you know as the roofing expert to be hell damage and call it hell damage. Don't be bashful. Right here, here's hell damage. They may reach down and start feeling of it for a bruise or a fracture. They might go so far as to acknowledging that, yeah, hell hit here, but it's not bruised or fractured. That's if we're extremely lucky. Usually they won't go that far. Usually they'll feel of it and they'll go, that's not hell. That's not hell because it's not bruised or fractured. Okay, go to another one. Right here, right here's hell damage. Oh, it's not bruised or fractured. All right. Well, sounds like to me you're not in agreement, Mr. Adjuster, on what the threshold is or isn't for damage. What do you think they're going to do? They're going to they're gonna be puzzled. They're going to scratch their head and go, what? What do you mean? What are you talking about? I know exactly what I'm talking about. And you just ask them. You ask them the simple question. Well, do you not know what hell damage looks like? Of course I know what hell damage looks like. I've been doing this for 20 years. Whatever the lecture will be. So now they're selling you on the fact that they can see hell damage. They know what it looks like. So it has a look. We've established that. That's good to know. So you can find it without feeling of it. Because if you can't find it without first seeing it, then why are we feeling of that particular spot? Follow me on this. Follow the logic. Let's reverse engineer this a little bit. You told me you know what hell damage looks like. You know what, Mr. Adjuster? I believe you know what hell damage looks like. But then you fell to that spot and then told me it wasn't hell. But why did you feel of that spot? You called the mechanical damage mechanical damage. Remember, I told you we'd pull that back out of our shirt pocket. You called that mechanical damage damage. You didn't say a mechanical mark. You didn't say a mechanical cosmetic place. You called it damage. And you called it damage from two paces away. You called it damage without ever bending over and feeling of it. So is the threshold for damage bruises or fractures or not? You see where I'm going with this? Why did you feel of that spot? You felt of that spot because you knew hell hit it. You didn't feel of the other spots because you knew hell didn't hit it. As soon as they started feeling of that spot on the shingle, the first bar, the threshold for cosmetic damage was already crossed. Roof bought. Game over. Door shut. Remember, this is the confined by closure system. Shut all the doors to the exclusions. You can't evaluate a hell hit to say that it's not a hell hit based on the fact that it's not bruised or fractured. Otherwise, if it was only by feeling, then you would just randomly feel the roof until you felt a bruise or fracture. Uh, We jokingly call this braille hell. This is comical. The obvious contradiction, the tell in their lie, so to speak, and again, this could be unwittingly because they were just trained this way. That's why I say sometimes you do this with adjusters and they go, oh my God, like you're right. I never realized, why the heck am I doing this? This doesn't make any sense. That's what we hope they do. But this works for ladder assist as well. And then what you do is you take that information and you bring it down to the homeowner. And you have a conversation with them, ground level, with the adjuster, and watch them stumble. And when the insured takes this to their agent or back to, you know, insurance HQ and starts challenging them on the very obvious contradiction, usually everything falls in. The loss becomes proven because the fact that the insurance adjuster was feeling those specific spots proves that there is at least the visual representation of hell. You can't make the argument that I've been doing this for 20 years and I know what hell damage looks like. Okay, so then that's hell then. Well, no, it's not because it's not bruised or fractured. Oh, so you don't know what hell damage looks like. You only know if you can feel it. Well, no, I know what hell damage looks like. You see where this is going? You can't have it both ways. Pick. Which is it? You saw the dents in the gutter. You didn't have any problem calling that hell. You never fell to those dents. There was never any extra next level assessment done because there didn't need to be. Same thing is true for the shingles. Oh boy. Didn't I tell you this was going to get good? This is my favorite part. I hated that we had to have so much buildup for this. We're going to wrap it up here. Just know going out there that cosmetic damage, if you can see it, unless there's an exclusion, they got to buy it. I think part of the reason why they're not running to these exclusions is because we see the use of drones out there. Not to get off on another tangent, but why would the insurance carriers use drones anywhere if it had to be a bruise or a fracture? I think that pretty well answers the question. 
All right, everybody. I hope, again, that you got some value out of this. I'm geared up, ready to get the next one out next week. Please write us if you have any questions, episode suggestions. Get it bought at claimright.com. And write is spelled R-I-T-E. That's get it bought at claimright.com. All right, everybody. Until next time, let's get it bought. <laughs>